everybody. I am Marina Malaguti, and I'm your host at Embossed. Embossed is a podcast I've created to highlight women with amazing paths of success here in Chicago. Last year, I set out to interview the only 40 female CTOs in the city, and this year I've expanded to uh, female CEOs and women in politics and government in Chicago. I'm excited to share these interviews with you, and I hope you contact me at www.embossed.io or email me at marina at embossed.io. Hope to see you soon. This episode is brought to you by Propeller. Propeller is a public relations and content marketing firm that helps startups and entrepreneurs accelerate their growth by building brand awareness and customer trust. Whether lending a company profile or writing amazing content, Propeller makes everything easier for B2B and B2C startups around sales, lead generation, fundraising, recruiting, retention, SEO, and much more. Startups can learn more about partnering with Propeller at Propeller. Dot com spelled P-R-O-P-L-L-R dot com. Liat Rothschild has over 15 years of experience at the intersection of business, sustainability, and brand purpose. In 2016, she founded Pact with Purpose, a corporate gifting company that embeds social impact into everyday act of gift giving, from empowering underserved women with job skills to supporting sustainability efforts. Packed with purpose gifts enable companies to create societal impact while positively influencing their business across employees, clients, and other key stakeholders. Prior to finding Packed with Purpose, Liat was Vice President of Advisory Service at Mission Measurement. In this role, she advised Fortune 500 Chief Sustainability Officers and Executives on amazing on maximizing the impact and financial returns of their social responsibility initiatives. Liat earned her bachelor's degree from Wesleyan University and following graduation served two years in the Peace Corps in Paraguay, creating income generating opportunities with local farmers. She earned an MBA from the Wharton School of Business and a master's in international study from the Lauder, Lauder Institute of, at the University of Pennsylvania. Hello, everybody. This is Marina Malaguti, your, your podcast host at Ombost. Today, I have a special guest, guest with me. Her name is Liat Rothschild, founder of Pact with Purpose, a corporate gifting company with a social mission. Welcome, Liat. Thank you so much for having me, Marina. I uh, am obviously an immigrant and stumbled there with your name. It's where, perfect. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where, where is your ethnic background from, if you yeah. let me ask me? So where is my confusing name from? So both of my parents are Israeli and I have a, a common name in Israel, but an uncommon name in the States. And, and to top it off, it's spelled in a way that just confuses everyone, Israelis and American alike. Oh, that's awesome. And so did you grow up here in America? I did. I grew up here, but uh, nearly all of our family is in Israel. So have a little bit of, you know, the obviously grew up raised here, but have a lot of Israeli blood and culture in my upbringing. I've been looking forward to traveling specifically to Tel Aviv. Uh, can you tell me, have you, have you gone? Have you been yes, there? Yes. Uh, yeah. So all of my extended families in Israel. Um, Israel's amazing. Tel Aviv, you've got, you know, this bustling city on the middle of, uh, or right off the Mediterranean. It's beautiful. You've got, you know, ancient cities like Jerusalem. You've got lush yes. green mountains up north. The um, red, definitely the worth, 
Yeah, the Red Sea, the desert, there's really like every ecosystem in a teeny tiny country. Is that where you get your entrepreneurship strike? Um, I would say my parents did a good job of, um, so I, I'd probably say yes. Um, and also one of my dad's favorite adages is, uh, if you don't ask, you don't get. And I feel like that's definitely been a language that I've had in the back of my mind. You know, like if you want something, you've got to make it happen. So, yes. Yeah, there's a lot of, there's like a huge startup scene I hear in uh, Tel Aviv. A lot of tech companies are coming out of um, Israel, Israel in general. Yeah. Um, do you follow their startup scene and what's happening over there? You know, I follow it a bit. And interestingly, someone, um, an individual who I don't know personally, but went to business school with me, he wrote a really interesting article just mapping out the entire tech ecosystem and That's how um, a lot of them come out of uh, in particular, one or three groups within the Israeli army. So it's really interesting just to think of the network effect of um, a really uh, an intense experience like being in the army with the number of individuals who are very smart and creative and problem solvers, and then how that has basically created a cool network effect of other startups. That's amazing. Um, and so um, you, you tell me, I'm going to discuss, but there... What influence um, have you had either from your parents or your culture that brought you to become a founder? But say before that, even um, you went to a great school, you got an MBA from Wharton. Um, definitely like your resume looks like you're a very driven woman. Um, tell me about Leah growing up. Are you from Chicago? Where you're from? Yeah. Yeah, so I um, I was born in Milwaukee and then moved to Chicago uh, when I was about five years old. Um, as I mentioned, both of my parents are Israeli, so grew up in a in a bilingual home. You know, I was spoken to in Hebrew and very culturally rich. Um, when we were younger, my parents didn't have a lot of money, but they uh, loved adventure and they loved international travel. So we would drive from Chicago all the way down to Mexico and not like right at the border, but all the way down near um, Puerto Vallarta. And, you know, we would have a fun vacation there. So definitely alternative compared to some other people that would have gotten on a plane and flew <laughs> down to somewhere warm. Um, but I really appreciated that. And obviously, I've got fond memories with my siblings. Um, but my dad is an entrepreneur. And I think that, you know, discussions about business and client relationships and, you know, charting your own path were just part of regular, you know, day to day conversations. And whether I knew it or not, it had an influence on me. Oh, that's so cool. My dad was an entrepreneur as well. And, you know, unlike you, I'm still into the growing of my entrepreneurship career. You're well established and we'll talk about it in a second, but I was wondering like, did you ever feel like you were stumbling into entrepreneurship or did you know that was a thing for you? And did you just march forth, you know, towards that? It's an interesting question. I don't feel like I had a goal of becoming an entrepreneur. So whether I stumbled into it or um, it just happened, I wasn't aware and I wasn't consciously thinking like, okay, this is what I want to become or this is what I want to do. It was more, I had an idea and once I knew the idea was powerful and had legs, there was no reason not to pursue it, right? Like I became maniacally focused on trying this thing out and trying to make corporate gifts that do good a reality. 
Um, so I don't know. It's an interesting question whether I stumbled into it or was sort of like razor uh, um, focused on making it happen. I mean, definitely like hindsight twenty twenty, right? Like you went to you you had a BA in psychology. Did you ever use that BA? I think I use that every single day. You know, right, as not as a practice, perhaps. <laughs> I I never I, I knew that studying psychology, I wanted I did not want to become a clinical psychologist, and I right. didn't necessarily want to use that and go into um, social work or you know case management. Um, I was really interested more in what drives individuals, i.e., consumers, in terms of their behaviors and their decision making and. How does that get impacted, you know, in the world of business or marketing? So I was sure. always interested in that as aspect of psychology. But I think I use psychology in, you know, recruiting, in the marketing of my business and figuring mm -hmm. out how do we communicate our value proposition in our sales team working with prospects. Perfect. And then that paired up, you know, with your MBA and that the, really the experience that you have really points toward a, a path almost in entrepreneurship. Um, what, yeah, what was uh, maybe the thing that you said pointed at your idea having legs? So how does one go from having, let me pause for a second, can I hear the siren? <laughs> Love Chicago living. <laughs> <laughs> My question was about what uh, what was the thing that, that, that said, hey, this is the idea that you're going to go after? How did you know this idea had legs? And how do you go from this idea being just something imaginary to an idea that you think you can actually execute on? Yeah. And um, if I can, let me just mention one other thing about my background and then I'll yeah, ask a specific question. So, um you know, one thing I'll say is immediately after college, I joined the Peace Corps and I was a Peace Corps volunteer in Paraguay, which okay. I always said probably would be the most impactful experience of my life before having kids. And I still stand by that. Um, and my takeaway from my time as a Peace Corps volunteer was just a real desire to use my skills and my passion and, you know, whatever abilities I could produce uh, to have a social impact. And in Paraguay, you know, I basically, I worked with a group of farmers in a rural community. And what I also realized was it was important to have an impact that would be as large as possible. So I impacted, impacted a handful of, of farmers in my community, but I kept coming back to this idea of how do I create an impact that is bigger than a small group of people and have that impact, you know, sort of have a ripple effect. Um, so now I'll answer your question, but hopefully that gives context. Um, Absolutely. So uh, so this was in 2016. It's December. It's a cold day in Chicago. There's probably snowflakes, you know, uh, that you can see outside. And at the time, I was advising chief sustainability officers and marketing executives on how they could invest their corporate social responsibility dollars, so their CSR budgets, so that they could have a positive financial return on the business, but also, you know, a positive uh, social impact or societal gain. So this is my day job, right? This is my professional life. And because it's December, it's the holiday season, our office is riddled with holiday gifts. So, you know, the ubiquitous, uh, you know, wicker basket with toffee and cookies and brownies and, and tins of popcorn. And I just thought to myself, you know, while all this is delicious and I, we're all enjoying it, 
this can't be as good as the corporate gift gets because I know that companies are eager and are investing, you know, dozens or hundreds of millions of dollars on doing good. And mm. meanwhile, they and other, you know, partners or vendors are sending out corporate gifts. Um, and so I happen to be consulting to the uh, corp, you know, corporations, but a lot of my colleagues at the time were working with foundations and social enterprises. And so one of my colleagues happened to bring back these delicious granola bites from a social enterprise, which is like the business arm of a nonprofit. So from the social enterprise in Detroit. And I had it and I was like, A, this is delicious. B, the story of, you know, these youth in downtown Detroit that are part of a basically like an after school program to teach them 21st century skills and leadership skills and, you know, how to grow up to be good, strong people. Like the story here is incredible. What if I were to pool different products like this one into a gift, made sure that it was sophisticated and had like a really strong uh, design element and told their stories of impact? maybe even better than they tell themselves, like this would be a gift that was memorable. So that was my aha moment. Um, and then the rest is history. I mean, I really, I, I had this idea, I started talking about it all the time. And, you know, my friends or my colleagues, I would say, well, you know, what if I did this? Like, do you think people would like it? Would you buy it? Why, why would you or why wouldn't you? And that's um, how Packed with Purpose started. That's how it started. That, that simple, um, you know, it was an idea and obviously then then a lot of things happened. But yeah, it was that idea and then starting to to share it out loud, to sort of try it on to see how it would fit. Were you were you immediately ready to a little bit of like maybe founder questions here? Like were you immediately ready to share the idea? Were you apprehensive about it? And how do you go about validating that idea in the market? Yeah. So I think the the beauty of when you first start out is you're totally naive and you don't even think about like inventory management or SKU creation or database maintenance. Like I'm not, I, I didn't even have, have those words at the tip of my tongue or as part of my vocabulary. So there's something wonderful about being totally naive in the beginning. And I, I did start talking about it to get feedback and what I um, what I actually did to test out Packed with Purpose in the very beginning was my daughter was turning one in March and I decided to put together, um, I, I took the idea of like a goodie bag and I turned it upside down. And so I said, all of my friends who happen to be, you know, uh, business professionals or the majority of them are, and they themselves might make the decision on gifts or might influence the decision on gifts. Let me give them a gift basket, right? So I basically created the first packed with purpose gift box, um, what I used to call a crappy first version. And then my designer said, Liat, <clears throat> you actually need to call it a um, low fidelity prototype. So that was, you know, like that's such elevated language. That's, that's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, such a better way to characterize it. But, you know, it really was the first prototype. I crowdsourced a logo that was ugly and overly feminine and the box itself, you know, like it, it was nothing like what it would become, but the essence, the idea was there. And so I basically put together this low fidelity prototype, gave it to all of the guests. They walked out of the birthday party. Thanks so much for coming. Here's a gift. By the way, I'm going to follow up for, you know, a 10 minute call just to get your feedback. So, you know, it was cheap, i.e. no cost market research. 
and I got their feedback on how they would use it. And that basically, you know, launched the idea. And then I, um, I officially launched, you know, I, I started with a Kickstarter campaign or an Indiegogo campaign that December. And I happened to also be uh, seven months pregnant with twins. So, wow. so wow. I, I launched the Indiegogo campaign in September. It happened to be when I was seven months pregnant with twins. So it made for a very interesting um, wow. fulfillment of those gifts uh, with uh, twin boys in the NICU. But it was it was memorable for sure. How much money did you raise? I, I'm, I'm super interested about this. Yeah, so I raised about fifteen thousand dollars, and um, you know, it was. To be honest, it um, I didn't set it up so if I didn't raise a certain amount, I wouldn't move forward. For me, the Indiegogo campaign was really an opportunity to say, "Here is the sprint that I'm working on," and it is getting this idea called Packed with Purpose off the ground, which meant I had to figure out what products were going to be in the gift what you know marketing collateral would be inside what the packaging would look like i developed my first relationship with our 3pl our third-party logistics provider so how would i fulfill the orders and it was basically you know working through all of those you know at a fast clip so you know at, at rapid speed so that i could launch and then obviously i had a tremendous amount of learnings right what went well what were some of the hiccups what do i have to work on what was the feedback so that's awesome. Um, where, yeah. where did you learn? So you were you were working for mission measurements or yeah. before yeah, that? Yeah. 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 Or Rosetta, one of the two, right? I was working at mission measurement. That's when I was doing the um, corporate social responsibility consulting. And right beforehand, I was working at Rosetta, which then was bought by Publicis. But there I was doing the marketing strategy consulting work. So did you learn how to do this from your employment experience or where did you learn, like, where did you learn how to do this? Maybe Wharton? Honestly, I, 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 you know, in some ways, and I don't know if every entrepreneur would say this, but there's a certain amount of learned experience um, or skills, hard skills that I brought to the table. But honestly, the most important thing was just having the gumption to say, I've got an idea and I'm gonna figure it out, right? Yes. Like I didn't know about inventory management beforehand. Yeah. I didn't know about, um, uh, you know, like product innovation. I knew about consumer research. I knew about consumer insights. I'd never developed a relationship with a 3PL. Yeah. So, there were more things that I didn't know, but I think it was just, you know, thinking that it can't be that complicated. And okay. if you don't think 10 years ahead to get freaked out about everything you don't know, and you have a short enough horizon and you just have a mentality of like, well, everyone else figured it out. So it can't be that complicated. Um, it was, you know, definitely there was a combination of the um, confidence. Yeah, the confidence to do it probably some of the exposure to, um, you know, advertising or accounting through my studies at business school um, and some of my experience around marketing and consumer research uh, at Rosetta. But a lot of it, I think, was just being determined to figure it out and using resources, whether it was people or, you know, learnings or podcasts, whatever it was to to get me through the process. Amazing. So here you go. Like you don't need to know everything before you start to start something. Am I right? Yeah. Oh, for sure. 
In fact, I mean, I think if, if you know everything, it probably is detrimental because what you see is mostly unsurmountable obstacles. Mm. When you come in from the outside, you know, your, your perception, which I think really serves you well, is it can't be that hard. And, yeah, you're going to figure out it is hard. It is complicated. But in the beginning, the more you don't know, the better off you'll be. Got it. That, absolutely. That is absolutely true. I agree. Um, tell us a little bit about Pack with Purpose. Give us the your, I know you have an elevator speech probably mm. ready to go. How many customers do you serve? How many um, uh, social enterprises do you collect uh, inventory or do you collect gift from? And tell us, uh, you know, give us our... The, the, give, the short give, summary. Yeah. Give us the short summary. Yeah. So as you mentioned earlier, so Packed with Purpose is a corporate gifting company with a social mission. And what makes our gifts unique is that all of the products within our gift boxes do good. So we affectionately call our suppliers purposeful purveyors. And those purveyors make excellent, unique products. And all of them also create a social impact. So for mm -hmm. example, we might include granola made by women who are survivors of abuse or journals that are made out of um, sustainably harvested wood that also contribute to reforestation efforts. And, you know, there's nothing more positive than uh, working at a company that focuses on gifts, which, you know, in and of themselves, that's all about surprise Great. and delight. And then the cherry on top, um, and obviously what's embedded in Packed with Purpose is that all of them also create a social impact. So uh, we work, yeah, we work with um, thousands of companies and also you know individual consumers because we do have an e-commerce site but we also do a lot of um, uh, gift curations and some customizations through our gift concierge with companies and you know whether it's a corporation or a non-for-profit um, but uh, we've got thousands of clients we on our website have uh, probably close to a hundred curations that um, are sort of off the shelf and we're working with 130 plus purposeful purveyors and counting. Um, so it's been wow. it's been a, a beautiful, you know, challenging, exciting experience on on my end for sure. That's amazing. How many employees have you grown to by now? Yeah, so we've got 15 plus employees, and we're actually actively hiring right now. So, wow, amazing! Yeah, last year, thankfully, um, the pandemic was. Um, uh, had a, a positive effect on our business. Um, and I think we also, our, our stride. So we saw about 400% growth um, compared to last year. Wow. And so we are actively hiring to to continue to, you know, partner with our clients and serve our customers and create amazing relationships with purveyors so we can help amplify all, of, all the good that they do that's embedded in the products that they create through the gifts that we, you know, we sell and then ship. Oh, that's beautiful. That's so beautiful. Yeah, let's talk about a little bit um, at the, pan the pandemic and how gifting has changed. Perhaps what did you what did you notice from the market? Yeah, you know, in the beginning in March, we did not know what to expect. And yeah. um, what I would say is, thankfully, the pandemic was positive for the business, and primarily the reason was. Um, companies now had employees that weren't coming to the office. They were all working from home. They were maybe taking care of, you know, they, they were taking care of themselves at a minimum. 
perhaps taking care of their kids and perhaps elderly or ailing parents or family and, you know, holding down their jobs. And so companies were very eager to think and celebrate and acknowledge all of the hard work and sacrifices that their employees were, you know, were making towards their professional life. Um, and so companies started sending more and more gifts to employees. Mm-hmm. Um, traditionally, you know, research shows companies generally spend more on mm-hmm. their clients as opposed to their internal employees, which is interesting. I think that probably has changed and will likely continue because companies just realize how invaluable their workforce is. Yeah. Um, and so we saw a huge uptick in uh, gifts that companies were sending to their employees, as well as gifts for um, virtual events. So totally. what might have been, um, you know, less of a gift at an in-person event, now companies are trying to come up with a creative way to, uh, you know, make the virtual meeting or conference or gathering memorable. Yeah. Let's talk about the engineering of that. How did you, how did you make sure you were keeping your supply chain safe with COVID? Yeah. Well, so, you know, there's, there was so much for us to, um, to work through. One was that, unfortunately, we had many purposeful purveyors that, um, you know, they stopped production during COVID. Um, You know, a certain percentage of them never resumed production. So COVID basically decimated their business. Um, You know, we worked in partnership with our fulfillment center, our 3PL, um, right? And they had very stringent protocols to ensure that all of their workforce was safe. And, you know, obviously that workforce partners with us in order to pick all the products off the shelf, package them carefully into our gifts, have all of those ship. Um, So there were a lot of elements regarding the, you know, supply chain that we were working through, some of which was, you know, products that were no longer available, products that might have longer lead times, products that now, um, you know, had uh, four week or eight week plus um, disruption in terms of being able to get that at our warehouse. Wow. Yeah. And you mentioned there were businesses that um, that really got decimated through this pandemic. Uh, was it a lot of businesses? What did you notice there as a pattern? Was it international businesses that got cut out? Yeah. Um, so we well, one thing I'd say is we primarily focus on um, sourcing products from U.S purposeful purveyors, you know, and part of my initial thesis um, or my my desire in starting Packed with Purpose was having an impact in our own backyards. Yeah. You know, I knew that social impact historically, a lot of it was, okay, well, let's help communities in Latin America or in Africa or in faraway places. Um, But through the work that I had done, right, and this is coming from someone who was a Peace Corps volunteer in Paraguay. So I was very aware and obviously interested in doing good. But I also was aware that there was a lot of opportunities to create an impact, you know, in communities and cities and towns right here in the United States. So most of our purposeful purveyors are located in the U.S. Um, and I, you know, I don't know that there was a pattern per se. Maybe um, some of those purveyors tried to do too much. And so if you both were focused on e-commerce, but also on, um, you know, supermarket as a channel or on third party sellers, you almost had um you perhaps weren't focused enough and therefore couldn't double down on one channel. And, mm. you know, the the pandemic 
just um, made it that much harder. Or you were reliant on, let's say, too much of the supermarket channel and not enough on e-commerce. And because consumers, especially in the beginning, just stopped going you know, to brick and mortar retailers, that probably had a real negative impact on your business. Absolutely. Nice. So did you start the e-commerce platform uh, before the pandemic? So you had already that set up, right? Correct. Yeah. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Amazing. So you had the ability already to grab an order without um, needing to rely on a brick and mortar or an in-store location. Correct. Yeah. And so the business, um, when I launched the business in May of 2017, right? So I had that Indiegogo campaign in 2016, had my twins, you know, uh, took a deep breath <laughs> and then launched um, the business officially May of 2017. It was launched with an e-commerce site. Um, and then as we've grown, e-commerce has always been there. Um, yeah. You know, and alongside that, we've got our gift concierge team. So all offline, you know, more uh, corporate or, or business gifts. Right. Tell me, um, what is maybe something that surprised you, a lesson learned, something about yourself or your team that really surprised you in this, uh, in this, you know, as you became an entrepreneur and as you had to yeah. take on responsibilities that were perhaps, you know, beyond what you had taken before? Yeah. Um, anything sticks out in particular? Yeah, there's. I'd say maybe there's two things. Two things that first come to mind. One is just the power of trusting your gut. Um, mm -hmm. the, the power of trusting your gut and with that then making fast decisions, how beneficial that has been for the business. And if I haven't followed my gut, um, you know, basically seeing like, okay, I, I, sh I shouldn't have trusted, you know, I, I, I had... Um, if I would have trusted my gut more often or the times when I didn't, I probably could have averted, you know, a mishire or making a decision that was costly. Um, so that's probably one thing. And then in addition to trusting your gut, um, you know, it's just seeing the power in the magic of great people coming together to get stuff done, to problem solve, to be creative, right? So Packed With Purpose now looks so different from the initial idea that you know was born in 2016 and launched in 2017, and all of that is is solely based on the amazing people that I work with, and yeah. you know how an idea just you know takes on and it sort of grows like wildfire in the best mm -hmm. way possible when you've got passionate people that are excited about what you know what they're doing. Nice. Did you are you the type of person that um, was actually purpose is still your baby? I imagine you, you have four <laughs> human babies, but this is your baby. <laughs> was it hard to let go, or were you able to just you know let your people take over and be like, here, this is you know now ours? Yeah. So I think I'm I'm definitely the kind of person where I do not need to be involved in everything. Okay. Um, the more my team can you know, make their own decisions and manage, th manage things independently, the better I think, you know, the business is. Obviously, I recruit and hire to find people whose, you know, decision making processes I can trust and who I think, you know, have the business's um, uh, goals and uh, best interest in mind. But yes, I'm definitely, if I make all the decisions, we're in trouble, right? Like I'm not the best solution for Pack with Purpose alone. And, you know, as evidenced by all the amazing ideas and uh, solutions and creativity that the team brings for sure. You know, I, I want them involved much more than I want me alone involved. 
Nice. Uh, maybe like, um, is there something that you would have done differently that you can tell, you know, others that are starting a business right now, or they're looking at being entrepreneurs they are like, this is definitely something to look out for. And that I, I did that lesson learned. I got burned. Um, so I, I mean, I guess in terms of growth, um, you know, every entrepreneur has their own level of risk tolerance. Every entrepreneur, um, you know, approaches growing their business in their own way. And by and large, I'd say I've been very happy with Packed with Purpose. Yeah. There probably has been an opportunity to, you know, uh, put my my foot on the gas a little bit more earlier on in a way that would have still felt comfortable to me, right? Like, so spend more on um, on advertising or try out partnerships or, um, you know, uh, curate more gifts or, um, you know, explore our, um, our SKU database and try to, you know, try to optimize it earlier. So I feel like there's probably, there would have been a chance to feel more uncomfortable more often earlier on, whatever more uncomfortable means, whatever, you know, sort of function or department that, that takes form in. Nice. I love that. Um, when do you know, have you, have you ever, do you push yourself now to that point? Do you feel like you push more yourself? I, um, that's a great question. I feel like I do. And there's probably an opportunity to do so, you know, even more. I always say, if you're waiting until something is perfect, you're waiting way too long, right? Like perfection is the enemy. Because right now we're growing so quickly, we're getting so much real time feedback from our clients, you know, they'll ask, they'll see a gift on the website, and they'll say, Oh, that's perfect. But can you do, you know, A, B, and C, and suddenly, you know, if you're listening, listening actively, then that just becomes insight to realize, oh, well, our clients want, you know, they want to be able to brand additional products, or they want to be able to include an outside insert, or they want to be able to, you know, include their logo on the outside of the gift box. Those were learnings that I had, you know, a handful of years ago. And so as clients continue to provide feedback, our ability to adapt, um, you know, those, uh, those new features and adopt to their needs, um, I think has been really important. And I guess here, here's a real example from the pandemic. Yeah. So lots of our clients wanted to send out gifts either to their clients or to their employees, but they didn't have their home address and everyone was working from home. And so we yeah. came up, you know, it was like, as soon as this became a recurring question, we realized that shouldn't be the reason why we cannot provide a great solution to yeah. our clients. And so we came up with a platform to collect those addresses to um, make it seamless on, you know, on behalf of our clients and obviously make it easy on behalf of the ultimate gift recipient. Oh, I've uh, just experienced the same exact pain point with, you know, other gifting companies because, um, well, I have this idea that at some point I would like to send gifts to all of my podcast uh, guests. We should talk, Maria. Yeah, I know, I know. I know. We're, we're, we're talking <laughs> because guess what? Like, I don't want my guests' addresses, like, I don't want to collect them and I don't want to store them and I don't want to, you know, I don't want to have anything yep. to do with it except for like here, I wanted to have this little gift. That's brilliant. That's a really good adaptability. Uh, going back to the comfort part, what I was going to ask is like, how do you know like when to, to it's too much foot on the gas, right? Is, is there such a thing? And, and how do you, 
how how have you scoped that out? Yeah, um, you know, I don't. I don't think I've experienced too much. I think too much would probably look like um, something failing, right? Mm -hmm. Meaning you, maybe you launch for me, like we would launch a new product and it just would fall flat and we would get horrible customer responses. Mm -hmm. Or it could look like um, chaos in terms of communication across teams, right? Mm -hmm. So our sales team works very closely with marketing, which works very closely with operations, right? So if 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 we commit to sending gifts out by a certain date and ops doesn't deliver then you've got sales that has to then discuss that with clients which is you know a horrible experience so that would probably that's what i would imagine um uh you know pushing too hard would look like hmm. that's that's a great that's a great example um as a leader what are the things that you look at in order to know that your organization is doing well Well, it's probably, you know, what does my team think and how are they expressing themselves either explicitly, what it, what feedback have they shared with me or implicitly, what am I noticing in terms of, um, you know, either being frustrated or not collaborating well. Um, so probably feedback from my team. Uh, what are my clients and partners? And so in this case, it would be our purposeful purveyors saying, right? Like, are we providing value to them? Are we working in true partnership? Um, and then probably just my own internal compass, right? Like, do I wake up every day continuing to feel excited and energized about building this business? Or um, do I feel like my energy is being sapped or uh, am, I, am I questioning the decisions I'm making? Wow. Yeah, that's, 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 Definitely well put. And um, I have one more question about Pack with Purpose for you. And is in this whole journey um, about starting the company and growing this company now to a very quite success, very successful business, I, I, to my eyes at least. Um, mm -hmm. do, did you find that you got anything that surprised you, like an experience that was really surprising to you um, that you, you did not expect at all? Like, you know, you, you knew where you were going to start a business. You knew you had successes that will come potentially with having a successful business. But has this business brought to you and your life and, and your family perhaps anything surprising that you did not expect? A good question. Um, I mean, in some ways, I'd say nothing and everything, right? So in the beginning, you know, my low fidelity prototype, I could not have imagined the feeling of starting a business that I'm personally proud of. You know, I've, as you mentioned, I've got four kids at home. My oldest is six. There's nothing more gratifying than my daughter. You know, the other day she was like, so you're the boss? Like you, you're the one you, all these people work for you. And, you know, just her seeing this idea that really was born at the same time that she, she was, um, yeah. you know, I'd say there's nothing that has surprised me, um, maybe in the way that you, you asked the question, but everything is surprising in terms of the level of appreciation that I have for my team and, um, the excitement that I have. Um, you know, going to work every day uh, and just the the inertia that the business has had and just continuing to see, you know, that like really the possibilities are endless. Um, and so if I um, if I come at every day just with an open mind and a desire to 
you know, have my ears um, sort of wide and listening to all of the opportunities. And I'm prepared to partner with, you know, my team internally, our partners or purveyors or clients externally. Um, you know, like there's nothing more gratifying than that. So in that case, it is surprising just to see how a simple idea has continued to take different forms and how to me it's been really, you know, it is like another baby, but in the most gratifying way. That's amazing. I love that moment with your daughter. I have three daughters myself, uh, eight-year-old, four, and now two months old. Congrats, uh, Marina. Thank you. And I'm, and I'm hoping one day they'll, they'll, they'll say the same. What, what did that moment meant for you? Yeah. You, you know, I, they're in, in whether it's for my daughter and I've got twin boys who are four or I've got a, uh, a you know, a little bit older newborn compared to you, I've got a four-month-old, you know, but there's something so beautiful about showing the younger generation. And that younger generation could be, a, you know, a, a little kid who's six. And it also could be, you know, uh, a kid in high school who, you know, is doubting their own abilities or is applying to colleges and wishes that their, you know, test scores were higher compared to their peers. Um, you know, and my even though when you shared my background, it sounded, you know, you're like, oh, she has an MBA from Morton. But really everything beforehand was non-traditional. Um, so I feel like that's probably the part to underscore. And I think that, you know, my takeaway to folks is an untraditional background is great. Pursue what makes you happy. Pursue your passion. Focus on the skills that you can share with the outside world. You will be successful, whatever that is, right? Like, whether it leads you down to entrepreneurship, whether it leads you down to become, you know, the, the head of a non-for-profit, whether it leads you down to focus on, you know, operations at a large corporation, it doesn't matter. As long as you feel like you're being maximized in terms of the skills that you can bring, um, you know, to the betterment of a greater good, you know, it's like, that's, that's happiness. I love I love your message and definitely I love the energy that you put out from this conversation is very much we were talking earlier a little bit about um, being being good to ourselves and it's very much it feels that way it feels like you take care of your business the same way you take care of yourself and it's not perfect by any means but it's very gentle definitely not <laughs> so um so i i really love what you're saying and 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 you, i hope it come across to the audience as as the same way and, and your voice is super calming so i'm like mm -hmm. so i'm very zen right now from this <laughs> unfortunately yeah unfortunately it's like five minutes to wrap up can you believe it <laughs> no i cannot believe it but that's you know in some ways uh we should almost like rename the term podcast because a good podcast is you know is a story is a conversation so i've really enjoyed this hopefully anyone listening has is also enjoying it too and i know when i listen to podcasts you know if there's one one new perspective or a new kernel of truth or an insight that i take away you know that was a uh, a worthwhile, you know, 20 minutes or hour, um, hour activity for me. That's perfect. All right, let's wrap up with the last questions. You ready? I'm, I'm ready. What is one thing that we don't know about you or that people don't usually know about you? Uh, so when I was in business school, I participated in a boxing tournament. So in Philadelphia, where they actually um, taped uh, one of the Rocky episodes, it was the business school students against the law school students. I lost, 
but it was an amazing, um, it was just an amazing experience. And obviously the real highlight was that, um, so this is like everyone goes to it and we raised almost $50,000 for the Boys and Girls Club of Philadelphia. So it was uh, very memorable to say the least. Well, did you actually get in the ring? Yes, uh, in the ring, full headgear, uh, and because this is not a visual podcast, um, I am just under 5'2". I am not a large person, um, but it was. I was in great shape. It was an amazing experience. Definitely pushed myself, um, you know, in, in lots of different ways. That that's amazing. That's that's really good. I never thought. You would. <laughs> <laughs> what is a book you have gifted the most, or something that comes to mind? Um, well, this is. It, it, I I've got um, four kids under the age of six. I have not been reading many books. I've been listening to a lot of podcasts, and yeah. probably the the podcast that I share with people most in terms of you know reflecting on entrepreneurship um, is. Lost. What'd you say? Yes, after I'm boxed, of course. Yes. Now that will be number one, um, would be how I built this. Again, I just think it's such great stories of entrepreneurship. Yeah, I listened to that one as well. Um, and I'll leave the links of this things in the in the descriptions. And then what is a book you would write? Um, probably a book I would write is, you know, all of the things about me you didn't know, right? <laughs> so it's like, it, it's all of the things that make up who I am. Um, yeah. And really what I would love is for other people who I admire to write that book so that I could read it. Because, you know, it's like the first conversation gives you the first layer of, oh, you know, this is what school you went to, or this is what you did. But then it's everything else, you know, what I sort of call a double click. So one or two layers below that. And that's what is, you know, contributes to the makeup of someone. And that's where I think the real, um, the interesting history comes alive. Uh, yeah, that's awesome. Uh, what, uh, what does it mean for you to be unbossed? Charting my own course, not doubting myself, uh, taking an idea and, um, you know, putting it into action. Amazing. Thank you, Leah. Where do we find you? Where do we find packed with purpose yeah well you could go to our website packedwithpurpose.gifts that's g-i-f-t-s um we're also on instagram on facebook on linkedin packed w purpose so thank you so much for yeah. being on the podcast this thank is you. this was so fun thank you Marina. And, uh we'll catch up soon okay thank you thank you